0: I want to talk tonight about eating disorders. I was diagnosed with an eating disorder about a year ago, um, anorexia, and so talking about it is a kind of a like, kind of a trial run for me because um, for a few reasons. Well, firstly, because I find explaining it um, is helpful for me. Um, secondly, because. One of the biggest like, hurdles that I struggled with um, when I was first diagnosed was um, getting over the fact that I was one of those vain, magazine-reading, glossy plastics with anorexia because I had this like, stereotype of what kind of person has anorexia going to an all-girls private school. I had this like imaginary construction of what kind of person gets an eating disorder, and I was really um, uncomfortable with that. And so if I'd had a better understanding of what an eating disorder was, I think that wouldn't have been such a problem for me. And so I think it's, um, I, I, like, want to, like, share my new knowledge with people. Um, not that any of you are undiagnosed anorexics, but maybe you could spread it. And I just think it's an important message to spread. So I'm going to start with some statistics because that is rule one of a TED Talk. Like, rope one <laughs> in with statistics. Um, so... 15% of women will experience an eating disorder at some stage in their life, and that's not just anorexia, but also bulimia and binge eating disorder and others. Um, and eating disorders are more common in America than Alzheimer's disease, um, which is like, a, you know, everyone knows what Alzheimer's is, um, and everyone talks about that, but talking about eating disorders, I think, is also important. Um, just over half of people diagnosed with an eating disorder will also experience depression, and just over half will also experience anxiety, which leaves a sort of middle section that gets both and gets to live through all three fun things. Mm-hmm. Um, it has the anorexia, has the highest um, mortality rate of any psychiatric disorder or mental illness in the world. So about 10 to 20% of those with the disorder will die within 20 years from medical complications or from suicide. Um, So it's like a difficult mental illness because it's a mental illness, but it manifests in your physical body and it has like very serious physical medical effects on your body as well, which is why it can be so um, dangerous. Um, About 70% of patients will regain weight um, to a normal healthy weight within six months of treatment, um, as I have. But about 20%, 25% of them will relapse. So watch this space, we'll see how we go. Um, so I'm gonna try and explain like the, what happens inside an anorexic's brain and then also what happens inside their body. And I am not a um, scientist, but Joel, maybe you can correct me when I say the wrong thing about, or any other doctors or medical people in the room can try and correct me if I um, mess this up. In A person without an eating disorder's brain there's something called the insula, which regulates hunger and fullness and also helps you know if things taste nice. So in, um, in a uh, mostly healthy person's brain, if they eat something or, or if they're hungry, then the insula tells them they're hungry. If they eat it, then they say, yeah, that tastes nice. If they're full, it says, okay, you're done. Um, and then next to the insula, there is the amygdala, which is your like, um, fight or flight, stress, adrenaline, cortisol... Area of your brain that tells you if something's dangerous or or not right, and so if you eat something um, really sour like bad oranges in Spain, um, or something that's poisonous or dangerous, then your amygdala goes ma, ma, don't eat it, stop, ma, ma, ma. Um, and so it's your like way of keeping safe from eating poison. And also, when you eat nice food, um, you get um, pleasure signals in your brain like dopamine and serotonin. They go, mm, that's yummy, have some more, mmm, that's good for you, have another bit, mmm, tasty put some jam on the toast and then so all of those things happen in I think towards the back of your brain while you're eating and then the front of your brain interprets them and goes food is good for you continue to eat it helps you to grow and survive go and hunt out some more in a couple of hours you're a human who should eat and they've shown in like scans um from brains of people with eating disorders that um when we we lose um hunger so we haven't eaten in three days and someone goes you're fucking skeleton eat something and I'm going but I'm not hungry and it's because you don't feel hungry anymore and then when you eat your like taste receptors don't have as much um, like pleasure signals coming from them so like I promise you you'll like it please eat it but it tastes like cardboard and I don't want to eat it and then your amygdala has learned to interpret food as a threat and so when you see food, it goes, cortisol, adrenaline, you don't want to eat it. And your brain goes, it's dangerous, my amygdala is telling me it's dangerous, I can't eat it, it's scary and it's a threat and I have to avoid it. And um, yeah, it's like very confusing for the front of your brain to interpret all of those things because obviously you need food to survive um, and you kind of cognitively know that. But the inside of your brain is telling you, no, 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 this is dangerous for you, you have to stop, you have to stop. And so, like, your instinct is um, misinterpreting. Your survival needs. On top of that, um, there are other areas of the brain whose names and chemicals I don't know, but um people with eating disorders basically suffer like delusions when they um look at others and when they look at themselves. And um I have this image in my head, which I should have brought so it should project of two brains of a, a person without an eating disorder and a person with an eating disorder looking and they were taking a scan of the brain as they looked in the mirror and the person without an eating disorder had all these red lights um, but I don't know if they were good or bad but they were kind of realistic um, reflections of what they saw in the mirror, mirror and the person with anorexia's brain was just blank there was nothing in there because the what they see in the mirror is like it's different to reality it's like a it's classified as a delusion it's not true Um, so that's what happens in your brain when you have an eating disorder. Then there's all sorts of, because of the malnourishment and starvation that you put your body through, there's all sorts of like physical, um, repercussions that, uh, like can be long-term and serious that you don't really consider when you're deep in your starvation period of, I'm not going to eat today. Um, like really bad bones and really bad heart and, um, furry skin and thin hair and like, um bad regulation of temperature and infertility and other bad things that like can last your whole life so on top of it being a mental illness it's like a physical sickness that you um have to like you feel pain from and stuff so that's difficult the other thing I wanted to explain was that so my my hypothesis for this speech was that um anorexia is for losers because when you um When you have to start eating again, when you're in this recovery phase, which is my new least favourite word, it's the worst thing ever, um, you have to fight this little battle in your head with the little chemical symbols from the insular, amygdala, other things in your head against the cognitive front part of your brain going, you have to eat, you don't want to eat, you have to eat, you don't want to eat, you have to eat, you don't want to eat. And then you end up eating because your friends and family have said you have to eat. And then you feel like you've lost this massive fight in your head because you've been arguing with yourself and you have to like sort of concede defeat and go, fine, I'll eat. And then on top of that, it's like falling off a horse. You have to know I'm going to get back on the horse in like two and a half hours when it's lunchtime and I'm going to fall off again because that's what happens every time I get on the horse and every time that there's food around me, I just have to accept that every day, five times a day, I'm going to lose a battle, which sucks, because my friends and family will know that I cheat at Monopoly and I really like to win. So it's not nice for me to lose battles all the time, every day. It's really um, like shit. And I think that's something that a lot of um, like it's kind of a personality thing for a lot of people with eating disorders that they like to be in control and they like to be on top of things and tick the boxes and on time and, you know, achieving studying law or not. And um, they um, like to win things. So yeah, anorexia is for winners who have to be losers in the end. So that's the like um, factual basis of my talk, and I didn't want it to just be like a, a Wikipedia entry about anorexia. I also have a few interesting things that I find really interesting about anorexia, which is the idea of curious apes. Um, and the first thing is about food. So those of you who actually at the very first ever curious apes, I spoke about food because I was obsessed with it Mm. and I spoke about I think I ended up talking about world hunger but I did a lot of research ironically into an eating disorder called orthorexia at the time I was not diagnosed and was totally in denial that I had an eating disorder but I was kind of fascinated by them and orthorexia is this new eating disorder that's only emerged in the past five to ten years where you're obsessed with being super clean and super healthy and you only eat green smoothies and like kale and chia seeds and all the experts on the illness have attributed it to the rise of like foodstagram and um, food blogs and being a what 's it called health box gap thigh gap person oh, health, health goth, goth. <laughs> yeah so um, I think that 's really interesting so from that, to what extent are eating disorders um, socially constructed like do people in um, communities where food isn 't a luxury um, Get eating disorders? Do people in communities where your body isn't um, sold to you in rom coms as being white and skinny and beautiful get eating disorders? 90% of the people who get eating disorders are women. So, in like women who live in a society where they are, I I think, more expected (laughs) to be, yeah, skinny, dainty, little, not um, meaty and hearty, more of them get eating disorders. In Fiji, They got TV in 1994 and four years later um, 75% of teenage girls reported feeling too chubby and 15% of them admitted to vomiting to control their weight Um, and that didn't happen before TV was introduced and TV um, in Fiji at the time only had one TV channel which mainly broadcast American um, TV shows and sitcoms. Also, the rate of eating disorders is increasing. Between 1995 and 2005, the prevalence of disordered eating behaviours doubled in females and in males in the Western world. So, um, yeah, would I have got anorexia if I didn't go to a private girls' school and live in Australia where I watch TV and I'm expected to be thin and that kind of shit? Like, I don't know, I don't know. Um, it's, It's difficult to talk about, but I do want to talk about it, so please, if you have... Questions, or if you, like, have a friend who you know who wants to talk about it or something, like, I really do want to speak about it, so please do speak to me about it. And, um, like, the biggest thing that I have is an amazing family and an amazing boyfriend and amazing friends who um, stare at me while I eat my food. (laughs) And and that's kind of annoying, but also um, I wouldn't do it without... I would, you know, I would have, like, starved myself to death if I didn't have them... Crawling down my back about it. So that's thank you guys.